Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we vivisect the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Mary Johnston, and this old bad peddler with me is my brother, Thomas Johnston. How are you, Thomas? I'm doing okay. Would you like to roll up and look at my wares? Yeah. Would you like to talk about the uh, how old bad peddler came to be? <laughs> yeah, definitely. So as a child, um, I was... I wasn't really reading myself, but I was having read to me a lot of the Thousand and One Arabian Nights. And I feel like those stories have a disproportionate number of uh, characters who are peddlers and also a disproportionate number of characters who are uh, like shape changers or, you know, it looks like a it looks like, yeah, it looks like a, a friendly peddler. But no, it's an evil king. There's a lot of that kind of stuff. And uh, I at the time dictated a story that was written down by a grown-up and then illustrated lovingly myself a story about a shall we call him a beowulf-like knight named simulan who does lots of double flips and fights people but one of the characters <laughs> that he meets is an old bad peddler <laughs> who immediately who says things like you fool you have fallen into my trap and changes shape and grows enormous and that fights him with a sword and uh yeah. Yeah. Well, I bring this up, too, because is there romance in this story? This is a oh. leading question. Gosh, this is going to be the weird thing where you remember more about the story than I do. But I think there is. I think there's a there's a there's a girl, isn't there? Yeah, there's a princess that Simulan yeah. the Gymnast Knight rescues. And then <laughs> at the end of it, he hitched her. Oh, that's right. He hitched her. That is to say he married her, which is totally from Disney's Robin Hood. I, I bring this up because, of course, uh, this was you creating basically a comic book. <laughs> and today we are going to talk about Corman's Calamity. Now, now, um, now play fair. Now, play fair. They're magazines. Yeah, Corman's Calamity about about a magazinist, a cartoon <laughs> magazinist. Um, and I just I thought we he would is apparently know. the only the only cartoonist for Tales from the Crypt in this story. Yeah, and I thought it would be fun to connect it with our uh, with the, with your uh, your childhood writing. That's right. What's going on? Um, who's who's in this episode, Thomas? Well, personnel. Run down the personnel on this album. Who are your guys? Who are our guys for this episode? Who are our guys here? So our director, our director here is Mr. Rowdy Harrington who is the director of route of roadhouse and also did camera and electrical work for repo man. Oh, those are two of like my favorite movies. I love well, both those movies a lot. <laughs> well, right. Well, buckle up. Okay. Cause this one was also written by Terry black. Whose IMDb writing credits credits include red steel one and two. Yes, indeed. The Wii video games. Um, he also did some writing Wait, on the Sil- Wii video games. Yeah. Like the, mo- the, the, Red Steel won the kind of like John Woo-esque uh, motion light gun game. And then Red Steel 2, the oh, one where okay. you're, you're like a cowboy. Play. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've played both, I've played both of those games. I've owned both of those games. Um, and then uh, he also did some writing on Silk, stocking, silk, silk Stockings. Um, you'll recall kind of a uh, sexy murder series where, uh, where a, it's about. What an awful name. Two cops who are, who were. I might get this wrong, but I think they were partners. Then they were married. Then they're divorced. Now they're partners again. Sure. 
That sounds this is right. the thing. This is the thing where you use the like woke partner thing. It gets real confusing. My partner was my partner, but then we got divorced. But they're my partner now. <laughs> yeah, 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 I get it. Um, Man, you know what? You know who loves that dynamic? The '90s. It's like my bitch ex-wife, but now we got to work together. Also, we're gonna fall in love. It's you know, it's will they, won't they? But they already did, so probably they don't want to now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, also, uh, Terry Black also did writing on an episode. Um, did some. Actually, did some, like did some dialogue or something writing on two episodes, but also was a primary writer on um, one of the episodes of Tales from the Crypt Keeper, the animated uh, spinoff of Tales from the Crypt. Ah, uh, yes. Something that you and I said suggested maybe we would do as a bonus, and then we tried to watch it, and it was so terrible, we will never watch right. it again. I mean, it was just one episode. It was very bad. Stay tuned, creepers. Very bad. I do not want to watch anymore. Rather like dairy sitting on your counter. These episodes have only improved with age. <laughs> Indeed. Anyway, um, so A fine edible mold has grown. That's right. That may or may not uh, cure gram positive bacteria. <laughs> um, no, but you got a headache. Eat this cheese. Yeah. Um. So the cast in this episode, we have Harry Anderson as Jim Corman. Um, this is uh, the guy who was in Night Court. Um, he is. Uh, he's oh, in It. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's oh, one yeah. of those guys where you're like, I recognize this guy. What's he from? He was also in a show that I have not watched. Is he but the guy sounds... from? Is he the guy from It who has the who who's like the weenie kid whose uh, parent had a uh, Munchausen by proxy? Um, I think so. I think so. I think so. Um, he was also in a um, in a sitcom that ran for like four seasons, uh, like in the in the very early in the in the early nineties, like after this, called Dave's World, which was based on the writings of yes, Dave Barry. <laughs> oh wow, was he Dave Barry? Yeah, of course, he was Dave. He was the titular Dave of <laughs> who the I think Barrys. is named Dave Barry, or maybe he's named or anyway, it's clearly supposed to be Dave Barry. And the whole deal is that he's like a Pulitzer Surprise winning columnist and his wacky neighbors and family. <laughs> oh man, I want to watch most of that on YouTube. <laughs> Can you? Admit, I mean, I bet it's, I bet it's, I bet it's abominable. <laughs> very bad. I bet it's so, very bad. Here's some other fun, fun IMDb biograph. Uh, facts about harry anderson he is listed as being a magician turned actor and this is offered without any elaboration or clarification his former wife leslie is a certified witch this is harry anderson yes certified witch by who who certified her it, it's not it's not clear to me which uh, licensing body um, has confirmed the credentials of harry anderson's ex-wife leslie okay Okay, so also we have Cynthia Gibb as Lorelai Phelps, she of uh, fame, fame, uh, see see what I did there? And uh, she was also in Gypsy, the Bette Midler one, um, and she was in Short Circuit 2, but is not one of the, I don't think she's one of the main characters. I, uh, I'm sorry, uh, important interruption. Uh, Harry Anderson is Richie. The wise ass, I think, is the, oh, the technical really? oh. term, which yeah. sort of blows me away, which means that which leads <laughs> me to believe that people thought he was a comedic performer. Carry on. Yeah. yeah. OK. And then um, Colleen Camp is Mrs. Mildred Corman. Um, uh, of course, she Yvette in Clue was where I knew her from. She also mm-hmm. is in Die Hard. She's in Wayne's World. Uh, My Blue Heaven. Do you remember that movie? No. What's that, that about? 
that's a um, Steve. That's a movie where Steve Martin is a mafia guy who has to like hide out so he doesn't get killed so he can like turn state's evidence or whatever. But it's exactly as good as a movie where you imagine they're like Steve Martin. That guy's got mob dude all written all over him. Oh, man, that's weird. Yeah. yeah. And then um, her film debut, um, not a major role or anything, but she was in battle for the Planet of the Apes, which is fun. And then her wacky, <laughs> wacky, unsupported claim in her IMDb biograph is she has played a policewoman more than any other actress. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I know, like, what an awesome claim. That's like, that's a claim you make when you're like four or five beers deep. <laughs> Like, yeah, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure nobody's been a lady cop more than me. Or like a, a, a lie your agent says to like land a deal, land you. Also, okay, but also how does that work? They're like, oh man, yeah, you, you totally want to take her in this Law and Order episode as like a walk on policewoman because the, because because my client she knows policewoman. So there's there's two other people worth me- mentioning here. Um, Richard Schiff um, is Lester Middleton the knife-wielding rapist. This, of course, means that Toby from uh, uh, West Wing is in this, which you now know about because you're listening to West Wing thing. Wait, and this guy is also in the... Is in Wang? Yeah, he's in the Wang. That's why, yeah, Toby. Oh, wow. No wonder he's a rapist. Carry on. <laughs> yeah, it's really... It's funny how he goes from being kind of like snarling technocrat to being kind of... Would you say that the character of Lester is supposed to be kind of kind of vaguely Southern or like sort of a like like a hick who lives in New York or Yeah, a, no, I think that they're trying to he has they're like trying a, to he, tell you that he's not intelligent. He and has they a, did that he, by giving him a southern accent, which yeah, is yeah, his accent which which kind of yeah, which isn't great. Um and then Tom Woodruff Jr. is listed as utility monster, which I assume means he's all the monsters. Um I and think this so, guy yeah. this guy is like special effects guy royalty. Um, he, um, did, uh, he's done like special effects work and, and, and also is a, is a man in a suit, you know, man in like a monster suit. He's number on Terminator, Aliens, Monster Squad, Tremors, Alien 3, Death Becomes Her, uh huh, Demolition Man, uh, Starship Troopers, and he worked on the new, on, uh, the new, um, remake of It, among others. This guy's ex- very prolific. So this one's really like a six-hander. This one actually has a fairly large cast, I will say. Yes, yes. Most people in this episode are... Most people in the cast in this episode are important. Um, Probably Lester the least important, but he still plays a vital role. Toby. He's Toby. Toby. Um, So this is a meta-meditation about a Tales from the Crypt cartoonist who works at a magazine, Tales from the Crypt, it's weird, named Jim Corman. (laughs) who finds himself more inspired than ever to draw horrible monsters after his overbearing wife nags him about taking, quote-unquote, potency pills. Experimental potency pills. Unfortunately, his virile illustrations are swinging right off the page and attacking <laughs> rapists and children all over town. <laughs> what, if, what if his drawings, instead of being like Tales of the Crypt drawings, were like Tom of Finland sketches? <laughs> the whole I, town is overrun by like shirtless overdeveloped leathermen. The mind boggles. <laughs> but in this story, fate thrusts Jim and Officer, Officer Lorelei Phelps together to restore order. Hmm. Oof. This episode, when I read about what this episode was going to be about, I was excited. 
Yeah, this I seems thought like- this was going to be really funny, and I liked the I liked the overall. Like when I was like watching the first, I don't know, yeah, five like the minutes first, of it. Yeah, the, yeah, the first little bit, you're like, this is going to be kind of fun. I thought it was going to be really fun, and then it just <laughs> totally ruins it by having one of the most detestable morals I've ever seen. Yeah, mixed with I think sort of a what to me feels like a national lampoon like 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 the move like the movies the national lampoons vacation where you watch those movies uh like you might do with your brother-in-law in in canada for some reason (laughs) and you're like i remember thinking these movies were funny but clark griswold is just an ass (laughs) (laughs) my my goodness um oh man what's his name chevy chase is not a good guy oh well yeah just 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 now finding that out mary well i was making fun of your naivete yeah, no, but but just to say that I think that this is going for, this is. Let's talk about what's good about the episode because that's a much shorter conversation than what's bad about the episode. Um, well, I love the idea. Mary's, that, Mary's like, I have three things to say. <laughs> yeah, I love the idea of the episode. I think it's like a very clever idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's pretty well acted. And then this is not necessarily a good thing. But I do think that this episode tries to take a weird broad swing at feminism. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, I, maybe. Which I sort of commend it for. But it's such a broad, such a such a bad swing that it, it kind of bites us in the ass anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I think what I would say would probably echo what you said. I like that it's supposed to be kind of meta. And I like the use of the Tales from the Crypt theme as sort of interstitial music within it. And there's like a Tales from the Crypt love theme almost. I think that's cute. Yeah. And the concept is the concept like on paper. Oh, the like, music. If you just I, explain, loved, I loved the music. Yeah. And the, 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 the concept of you explain it is sounds pretty sounds pretty good. Um, and the fact that it this is, I think, fairly filmically structured in that when I watch it, you know, it sort of drifts away from Jim for a little bit and you're like, oh, this is going to kind of just drift or it's going to be like Tales from the Crypt where you sort of have this framing device of this cartoonist who draws and things come alive and then you see the consequences of that, um, you know, very briefly, but, you know, we see, um, I guess, Officer Phelps's, uh, you know, a little bit of it and then we see like those those kids with their Uzi, with their plastic Uzis and the monster in the refrigerator, you know, like, and it's it, it looks nice and with the music and with a, a surprisingly big cast it kind of this to me feels like the 90s genre picks like uh you know the phantom or or the shadow or you, you know what i mean like maybe maybe a little bit of highlander in there um, sure yeah and then then the scene where uh, uh officer phelps and jim are in his studio and they're gonna do their very irresponsible experiment to see if his drawing if he can draw something and make it come alive and she's she has the sort of uh, men's shirt for women with the rolled sleeves and everything. And then there's like romance. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is exactly like like Ghost. all of those movies where the where the well, no, we're like the no nonsense lady cop gets to kind of fall in love with the guy because, you know, how many characters are there in this movie? It's the 90s. What do you want? Um, but OK, so so I think that's about everything that's good to say. Oh yeah. Also, I I, I really like. <laughs> oh, literally. I, also like, I, I thought there was gonna be like a like. No, a, no, nothing and more. Then I was gonna oh, yeah. qualify. I, I also it. like Miss. I also like Mrs. Mildred Corman a lot. 
oh yeah she's the best um she has all the best clothes and she's really mean to jim you're oh. she's she, she has great clothes and you're like man she's awesome and she has a funny way of talking and you're like i'm kind of into this and then she's really mean to jim and you're like i'm really into this maybe i need to talk to my therapist I know. <laughs> she reminds me of a john waters character so i was instantly on board with her she comes <laughs> into a scene looking like the past in a wackadoo way and immediately just demands things in the rudest way possible she is a john waters character yeah yeah um, the, um oh yeah did you like i also like i also kind of like jim corbin's is it like i get the sense that the two characters who i assumed were supposed to be like loving caricatures of beloved people at uh at, at tales from the crypt uh enterprises or something but i couldn't find anything that confirmed at that ttfc yeah yeah the two guys I that i, would, that I called that i called the wolfman and ref <laughs> Or yeah. maybe coach. Um, but anyway, it, it seems like you were setting up something where there could be a lot of kind of funny knowing winks to the camera. But no, it's just a bunch of mean misogyny and like, you know, the strange desire of shitty middle class men to cheat on their wives. Do you think there is a moral at play here? Okay, so here are my morals. You ready? I'm going to pitch you three of them. Yep. <clears throat> my first one are is... These- are these uh, give any qualifiers you want that, to frame these morals for me? Nope, I'm just ready. Here we go. Moral number one: Women love cartoonists. Okay. Moral number two: Or cartoonists are sexy. Uh, moral number two: BDE. For those of you who are not of the internet, that of course is big dick energy <laughs> is so important for drawing and creativity. <laughs> and then my third one is. Quote, look how clever we are, close quotes. Yeah. <laughs> Those man. I think are the main morals to take away from this. Um this uh, so I I guess I agree with all those uh, those. What I was saying is Yeah, BDE, I se- super important. Super important. I it's well known. Separated I separated out what I thought the intended moral was from what a more modern interpretation should be. Because sure. I think you could like twist this easily and make it a completely different movie. Uh or a completely different like story that would actually be very good. Mm-hmm. Um and we can get into that in a little bit. But my so I think the intended moral is probably something along the lines of it's never too late to seek a better world. Yeah, From, you could always you can always draw a cartoon monster that'll kill your bitch wife. You know, yep. it's just like you murder somebody and then start over. It's fine. Yeah. And then maybe <laughs> and then mind control someone into starting over. And maybe <laughs> wives need to lay off their husbands <laughs> is also Stop potential. bothering me when I'm drawing monsters. Yeah. Um, I do think that this story could easily kind of have a... Um, like a third act twist where suddenly you realize that uh, Mildred is supposed to be the protagonist mm-hmm. and it would could fix it quite a bit. Yeah, and yeah, in which no. case the moral would have to be um, don't settle and marry someone you think is beneath you. She clearly thinks that and, and mm-hmm. probably correctly so that Corman is not on her level. Right. Um, or potentially uh, maybe it could just be like a little helpful like hint. Uh, to future sleuths and say, uh, usually the spouse is the killer. <laughs> Someone yeah. died, probably their spouse killed them. Yeah, yeah. Should we maybe should we explain to uh, to the viewers at home what our beef with this episode really is? Because uh, I think that I think usually when I don't like something, it involves lots of explanation. But I think in this case, it's pretty pretty simple. What to what's oh, wrong? Oh, I with don't this like episode. the misogyny. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what I don't like. Yeah. I mean, yeah. basically, well, the I mean, story. Like, this 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 cartoonist um, is taking mind Viagra, and it makes his drawings come to life. And he has this wife who browbeats him and thinks he's always cheating on her. But we then kind of find out that that's more or less true. And he uses his cartooning abilities to make a female police officer who's sort of like investigating this in parallel fall in love with him. And then also draws a monster which kills his wife. (laughs) And the final scene is, as we're shown, he drew a drawing of him and the, uh, and, uh, the officer having like sharing a drink together and they are picture perfect creating that in real life. And she says, are you married? And he kind of, I can't remember if he really like winks at the camera or if that's just sort of implied. He's like, well, not anymore. And then, (laughs) and then we get like a wipe. Like this is like the end of a grand love story. Yep. Yep. It's real bad. It's very bad. Um, The misogyny in this, in this episode is so, pervasive it almost feels like it almost feels like there should be payoff like i want this this episode to be better and have a third act twist because i'm like oh it's just like peppered in throughout so like like the violence against women i mean the episode starts one of the first mm-hmm. lines you hear about this episode from this episode are uh, a guy talking like they're pitching ideas for tales from the crypt and they're mm-hmm. like okay it's this guy right and he murders his wife and or this guy right and his wife's always nagging him so he pr- murders her and then props her mouth open to use it as the 16th hole also so, like, why the 16th hole that's not even like the 18th hole is I know it's not even like a. Like, I thought the sixteenth hole was a strange was a strange choice, but do you, do you remember that comes go. after that? They're like a butcher eats his own sh- short ribs. Yep. A doctor removes his own appendix, uh, yep. which makes me remember there's a gnarly story about some Soviet doctor who did take out his own appendix. I think. Um, <laughs> and then the last thing they say is a gynecologist, and then Corman is like, "I'm trying to work here, fellas." Oh, so of course, ew! Don't talk about right, lady a, parts. Now again, I mean, nothing. There was no pot of gold at the end of that that sentiment. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I, I don't really want to know what those guys right, think. Right, right. The gynecologist but just to is be fair, do. like just to kind of keep with the whole. Yep. Also, I guarantee you that gynecologist is male. It does not occur to these pe- these these dodo <laughs> birds that a doctor could be a woman. That's the other thing I actually watched again. I was like, well, is this is this modern? Is this in the past? Like his car is really old looking. Um I, I think I, it's supposed to be present day. Like, think about the laundromat. I know. The laundromat looks real modern. And those the little boys. And Lorelei in general looks modern. Um, uh, yeah. But also, but Mildred looks like she is uh, Mildred doesn't really look like a real like Earth human being, but yeah, I mean, Mildred's from from Planet Waters. Don't worry about that. Like, th- <laughs> she should not be an indication. She's of you. from Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's from Baltimore. She's not. She's not. It should not be an indication of you of anything terrestrial in yes. any of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she is, in fact, unlike any human being I've ever seen. Like, she's a wild character. Uh, she shows up in her house. She she is the type of person who doesn't exist. Who will show up in an office yelling about your husband's impotent, like infertility issues? Yeah, yep, yep. And I love how much she like gets pleasure out of the fact that she thinks he's trapped. Like she's always like snarling about how she knows he would love to cheat, but he's stuck with her till death do us part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 weird. It's like <laughs> it's not even clear to me exactly what they're. I mean, I guess. I guess this is just like every everything a terrible 
middle-aged person with a bad marriage, like all kind of put together in a nonsensical fashion might come up with. I don't know, it's, it feels very um, self-consciously of the past, but also like, but also there doesn't feel like there's a kernel of truth here. This isn't really talking about anything in particular. This just kind of seems like wives in my right fellas. Hey, <laughs> this guy knows what I'm talking about. You know, it, it, this feels like they were writing an episode and we're just kind of like, yeah, this is like, we're here in the, we're here in the horror frat house. Yeah, that's right. You know, I don't know. It, it very much to me feel, feels like a, there's a lot of national lampoon energy here and with everything that entails and sort of not in any sort of directed pointed way. Yeah, we're definitely in the locker room. I mean, when we, we joke... <laughs> Welcome the, to the locker room. We joke around all the time about how these stories are totally informed by, like, perverted 90s executives being like, women, am I right? And, like, she seems totally drawn from that kind of mindset. Right, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird that she's, like, coming in and being like, you're not cheating on me, but also you're a useless man with a penis that doesn't work. But you have you're a rubbish mine. penis and stop trying but to stick it in other mine, people. you're all mine, Buster Brown. You're trapped with me. All I want to do is have sex with you. <laughs> all I want to do is have a child with you. I mean, um, I, I, I only laugh because you're just like, where? what is, what? <laughs> it's not a thing. I do. Right, right. However, it's definitely a thing in this storyline. Uh, the guy with the like really long ponytail that he works oh, with. Oh, you mean, you mean Wolf, the guy I call Wolfman? <laughs> Wolfman does make an offhanded comment to Jim as he's leaving that he says, my wife isn't as forgiving as yours, which I guess... I, I, maybe I, he's doing maybe he's doing irony. Maybe he, he's like he might be doing irony, but I feel like it's really supposed to tell us that like Mildred, Mildred is like is the rule, not the exception. There's also like a lot of weird stuff they could scoop up, right? Like initially she's, she's there busting in being like, where are you hiding the secretaries, you know, mister? And there are no secretaries because it's the weekend, whatever. But then you do see some secretaries later on and they're like, you know, they're all they're a bunch of chesty blonde broads. And then he's like, no, honey, no secretaries here. <laughs> no, no, no. Jim is absolutely the man that Mildred thinks he is. Right. That's right, right. Like, no, no, no. I know. I know. Which is like, which, but that seems like such a dropped comedy ball, right? Like, it would be hilarious if all the secretaries are like old grandmas or something. I mean, I mean, not hilarious, but I know, but then hilarious for the quality of this episode. Okay. So there's no good place to bring this up. But after watching this, you're like, well, this seems like something terrible from the past. So I tracked down the original story. The original Corbin's Calamity story has almost nothing to do with anything that happens in this episode. <laughs> it's about a uh, an artist they hired named Corman who can only draw beautiful lovey-dovey romance scenes. And the, the characters are sort of like, it's, it's totally like the kind of Stan Lee directly addressing the audience. So, you know, there's two drawn guys who are supposed to be like the editors of... Right, right. The haunt of fear, it or whatever. It starts with it is. a guy at like at his like drafting table, turned to the side, looking at the audience, being like, "Oh no, folks!" Right, right. So, so anyway, so right. So Corman can only draw sappy romance and everything, and they try to get him to like, like think about terrible things and be sad, and they try to scare him in the office. But in the background, one of the guys is always chasing around a chesty secretary, with like like huff 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 huff. Which is like never explained, and I'm sure at the time was like, ah, ha, ha, men in office. Yeah, it didn't need to be explained. <laughs> like, like, how probably. Da- how, da- how dare you want to enter the workplace? Not if you don't want to get your tushy grabbed. But anyway, so Corman and this. Uh, so anyway, in the actual story, Corman like kind of like goes bananas while drawing one night, and like wanders outside, and there's a full moon, 
And I can't tell because it's not the best graphic storytelling, but like maybe he gets murdered by a wolfman and then the wolfman like comes back and becomes him and gets really good at drawing like like Well, he doesn't get murdered by a wolfman then. He he is he becomes a werewolf. Well, no, no, but but like he gets grabbed by a figure. Yeah, it's not it's not clear. It's not clear to me if if it's like a if he's replaced or if he becomes a wolfman, but then he just comes back and is good at drawing horror comics. But like that's the story. Huff, 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 chase the women. So, I mean, I guess, I guess <laughs> I'm not sure if what we got is better than that. I, I, I think it's worse. It's definitely worse. I mean, that's not great either, but this is worse. <laughs> this is worse. I mean, I, I even like the scene where you kind of get like the secretaries going around, like handing out, I guess, mail to people. Yeah. Right. And also, she gives why is Jim it to Corbin answering his own phone. His whole job is just to draw like who's calling him. Yeah. Right. And she, um, and she says so she hands out mail to Coach and Wolfman who like leer at her and she's kind of like Ugh, about it yeah. correctly. But like and it's more of a ex- the way a, a gross 90s man TV executive would imagine it where it's like she's flattered, but <laughs> she kind knows, of yeah. a bitch, a little bit of a snob. So she's going to turn down Wolfman and Coach. And then when she goes to Corman, she does like she like smiles at him and he seems like he's more of like a gentleman, quote unquote, to her. Yeah, so it's, she, all like, that, it's all that cartoonist B- BDE that he's radiating all the time. Right. So it's let, like let us stress to the audience that he is he is like 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 a callow wimp. throughout. Yeah, yeah. He is like he's like, what's what's uh, what's below beta? What's what's the sea level of beta? <laughs> He is the Omega Man. Actually, Omega Man sounds cool. Yeah, Omega Man sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like knockoff Mega Man. He's not that. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, he's a beta male in every way. Basically, he's Delta. kind of like, he's kind of, you know, yeah. he's like shrinking and a little bit, uh, seems a little bit neurotic. You know, it's just, it's not great. <laughs> Um, the only part that I do think is like the the small shining light is very um, it doesn't last long, but I love the first it's like half. a misfiring Zippo. Yeah, I love the first half of Gibbs performance of Lorelei of Officer mm-hmm. Lorelei Phelps. Mm-hmm. I like that she like sticks up for herself. She's earnest. Um, and she's smart. I, she's smart. She's good at her job. She takes her job seriously. Um, but I, and I, I don't, and I don't even really mind that you get to like see how men around her treat her so badly Yeah, because yeah, I, th- I, th- I thought it was like trying to get at some sort of message here. Nah, probably not. But, but it turns out not at all because it doesn't <laughs> yeah, right, have any yeah. payoff. But like when the, when the rapist is mocking her police badge and yeah. then, then her colleague shows up to be like, Hey, look like there was a murder of a guy who tried to rape you and he's like so patronizing to her um and then of course i, I, I can't even i can't even mount the energy to be like but in his defense she was describing a monster with an overbite yeah no i mean it's just it's just so so horrifying the whole way through and I, and you kind of like it and you you respect her her kind of ability to go through life you even see her like on the streets she's like high-fiving urchins and stuff you know. Yeah, I think when she when she um, busts into Corman's car and is like waiting for him, she kind of does that thing where I was wondering if there'd be more payoff here, where she seems to be kind of hyper competent, like to a hilarious degree. Yeah, where, he's like, know, "How did you get in here?" And then she like she she's even like she's very funny, like her timing when she holds up yeah. that straightened out um, coat coat, hanger like thing. wire coat yeah. hanger is very funny in this. Yeah, 
No, and then she like is holding up pictures and talking without looking at them. I don't know. She has that sort of that 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 kind of trope of the like hyper competent, you know, um, very earnest. But that kind of but that that, that kind of gets thrown away. Um, or well, it, it just it just just doesn't really nothing comes of it. Well, because it kind of gets in the way of her um, eventually allowing Jim to do exactly what Mildred says he would, and mm-hmm. like skis on her and have her like that. <laughs> You're going to meet some playgirl tramp. And then he says, no, honey. But he says it like the same way that, you know, he, like like he says it the way you'd be like, my plan is to play video games and hang with the guys all weekend. And she's like, no, you're meeting my mother-in-law and we're going to Home Depot, you know, and like, like he actually his golf game got rained out. Not like, you know, his wife like definitely caught him planning a, you know, illicit assignation. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's like, he's like, yes, dear. Oh, no, honey. Oh, I'm married. You caught me. Oh, guess I'm going to come home. Guess I'll come home as opposed to cheating on you. Oh, wait, I will cheat on you. Uh, anyway. But um, do you agree? Still, I draw this monster. Do you agree that the um, uh, TFCC crew probably felt that Lorelai uh, Phelps was fairly progressive by their standards? Uh, yeah, I think that I think she recommend. I think she kind of represents a um, a uh, like like a flavor of character we're starting to get. Usually, usually it's like a lady homicide detective who's like has to team up with the bad boy. I I don't know why I keep thinking about Highlander. But she's basically the sword cop from Highlander. <laughs> um, and uh, and and yeah, I can see how maybe in their minds when they're writing this, they're like. Well, maybe like she's cool and she she represents she's like a like like a she's a good lady. So maybe that makes up for the fact that we wrote a bad lady. (laughs) Yeah, I I kind of got so I watched this and then I also rewatched for the first time in a very, very long time. um, The first Austin Powers movie. Uh And it has not aged well. Let me tell you, friends. Um It's not great, but I was particularly, and a lot of it is just that humor does not, I mean, like airplane now, I'm just like, what were people thinking, you know? Sure, 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 yeah. Uh, so it has like elements of that too, where there, there are just like in it, like fairly innocent jokes that just don't land the same way they did, you know, sure. like 20 sure. years ago. And, but, and having, having visited all of them, let me tell you that the first one is by far the best movie. Yeah. So like, this is not a good, this is not a good indication of what is to come. Sure. Um, but what is detestable is like the character of Vanessa, Elizabeth Hurley's Vanessa is like her treatment throughout it is so upsetting, which is basically to be like a prop to be like sexually assaulted and harassed. And for her to just to be like, Oh, I guess it's okay. And I kind of got a lot of that sort of thing from officer Phelps where like the world is just like she's just plucky and and efficient in the face of total garbage, and we're supposed to be kind of like tickled by that. Yeah, it's it it's a it's a bad time for comedy writing because they they want to be like, no, look, she's the she's the comedic straight, she's the straight man, and she's very competent and and, and like a, a good female icon. But then you have to like. She has, she either has to you know sort of be equals with like terrible men or like have terrible stuff happen or to be funny, I, so yeah I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, like but like just her... but you know what I mean. I'm sure they would say no. It's progress. It's no. This is good. Like see, she's 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 good. Austin's the idiot. 
but then all yeah but then of course like both characters sexually succumb to our our main character at the end right so mm-hmm. doesn't right. that signal to the audience that he's the hero i felt like this this episode went into overtime trying to make trying to like kind of turn the tables so that Jim wasn't the bad guy. And I think yeah. that Mildred is such like a cartoon wackadoo person so that we won't really think of her as being human. Sure. At any point. Um, but it's such a nice guy fantasy, right? Like there's only two types of women. Those have your ex, those who have expectations. <laughs> both, both of them desperately want me to have sex. With yeah. Them. <laughs> Everybody wants me, but some people have expectations like Mildred and she's a horrible bitch for that. And then some people are sweet and uncomplicated and they can just be molded any way I want. And those are the women that are good. It's so weird. Like the, the, I mean, the fatal, uh, the fatal flaw with this episode is that for whatever reason, it thinks we're supposed to be on Jim Corman's side or like thinks that he is likable. I don't think it would be a good episode, but it would be a better episode if he gets some comeuppance at the end. It's also yes. weird that it's all hung up on this this sort of dynamic. I don't I, I, I don't think that even though I like the character of Bildred, she doesn't have to come back like she can just be sort of cartoony, like just sort of over the top. Like, here's what Jim Corman's life is, because the horrifying thing for Jim Corman is that he's taking experimental medicine that makes his drawings come alive and like hurt people, I guess. Or definitely. I mean, yeah. that one bit of rapist. So, um and you know, and that that is that that's, bit that's a rapist. A... It murdered. It murdered a rapist. <laughs> Very topical episode, Jeffrey Epstein. No, um, the but you you know, like it. So it stays away from the horror. So it sort of shies away from the actual sort of horror story. It also shies away from the well-known heavy-handed moralism of Tales from the Crypt. Like, you know, at the end, we as you alluded to, and I we we can talk about this in greater detail. I, again, I don't think it would fix it, but there are better endings. You know, I thought when we see the blood, presumably Mil- Mildred's blood, splash on the drawing of uh, Corman and um, uh, Officer Phelps having uh, having romantic dinner, I was like, oh, it's going to turn. They're going to be having dinner and then like the monsters are going to come out from under the table or, you know. Or Mildred will arrive having killed the monster and will kill him. Or Mildred will use the drawings to well, like hurt. She'll do a drawing and it will come alive. And you're waiting because like Jim Corman's not a good guy. I mean, he's he's no. he's way less innocent than the people we've seen come to all sorts of terrible ends and tales from the crypt. So you're you're just kind of waiting. And then when there's a happy ending, you're like, that's it. You can even tell in the bumpers, the crypt keeper is kind of like, well, uh, I guess they're going to get married now. <laughs> so... Yeah, he Tip even your seems staff, surprised. Folks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's what I'm kind of getting at. Where I feel like they try, they try so hard. Like, so Mildred's so cartoony, and then to me, the thing that would be really amazing, right, would be, and the way to fix this in my mind is that you have the scene where Mildred comes and finds and like sees Jim making plans with Phelps right. to meet her later, right? She overhears, she sees Jim and she overhears their plan, and she's right. like, "You are cheating on me." Oh my God, like this is like you're a terrible person. I've always known you were a terrible person. And even Jim's like, no, no, I'm not. No, don't worry about it. And then to have what would fix it for me is if he, um, that if she then like got on the elevator, um, 
with like Phelps kind of meeting Phelps coming up together and then like gives her sob story Phelps realizes that Corbin's a bad guy and Corbin gets eaten by his monster wife that he draws mm-hmm. sure. that would fix yeah. it for me but to have her come back with like a gun as like an emasculating plan like that's like that gun feels incredibly penile to me agree or disagree I mean sure although I kind of liked it I thought it was I mean I understand what you're saying. Like, it's put in there so then we're not supposed to feel sad that she gets gets yeah, burked by made, the monster. It's to make her the bad guy. But I actually don't blame. But, but actually, her. I kind of liked it because I was like, hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let's have some justice. Yeah. Um, the part that I was like, this I got is... something for you in the car, honey. <laughs> the part that was just like totally absurd to me and like really I-, I couldn't handle it is when Mildred immediately starts insulting the caricature that he drew of her. Is that what I look like to you? Yeah, I was like, come on, dude. This one is not garbage. Yeah. So and of course, then it followed immediately. Like that whole last quarter is so dark. Then you see like Jim hustling Officer Phelps into the elevator, basically so Mildred Monster can murder Mildred. Well, and also he's saying she's saying, you know, you're drawing it came alive. We had and he's like, no, no, no. People just see stuff. It's fine. Yeah. Come on, doll. Don't worry about it. And, And the. Mildred being killed by the monsters totally played for laughs. Um, it's, I mean, it is, and it's shot in a cartoony way. We're supposed to think it's kind of funny. And the way, you know, what's, what's all that sound? Oh, we're having the office decorated. You know, I, I understand what they're trying to do. It's just it, tonally. It just clangs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I do. I don't really understand why, why they have him draw the romantic comic. Yes, because it, it, it makes the whole thing feel well, I mean, okay, I guess. OK, maybe is this supposed to be a payoff for when he says when he's trying to romance Officer Phelps and uh, she says something like, uh, oh, but it's all so terrible. And she's like, I could change. I could write. I could draw a romance comical so sweet and sappy. My bosses would go crazy or something like that. It's supposed to pay off on that, I guess. I mean, yeah, that's I think why it's done. Like, that's why he does it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like, I don't think I mean, don't what? you think that he manifests that into happening based on that cartoon? Yes. And and the and it, and it makes it feel real bad that he's getting with Officer Phelps because she seemed like she was kind of into him for some reason. But you're like, oh, it's like a 90s. It's like a 90. You know, it's like, of course, why? It's why the lady reporter falls in love with the shadow. It's fine. Yeah. Not really fine, but, it, you know, whatever. You can sus- it as like suspend a, your disbelief. Yeah, it's like a genre trope. But but then it's like he has to, like, make sure he seals the deal by using his his mind boner pills to to manifest that she will call him and, like, wear a little black dress and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean it's, like, like, it's, it's very it's, bad, it's, especially since she doesn't actually consent to anything the first time they have their, like, you know, yeah. dark stormy night big shirt meet cute yeah, like right, she does yeah. rebuff him he's like yeah, but but i feel like but in that way in 90s movies where it's kind of like he's like you know or we should just like i'll call you and he's like maybe we do it over dinner and she's like you like i don't know i feel like it's i, 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 I just feel like it's mired in in the giant like it doesn't of all the things that feel bad in this that part is not it doesn't feel the worst because you're like oh this is this is just an old timey scene that exists and it's the way that they thought people interacted because everyone was on drugs. Because <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> everyone was on drugs. I mean maybe. I don't know. To me <laughs> no, it would no be less. No two human sexual. 
To me, it would be less clear that what he is doing is raping her at the end if they had yeah. had, like, if no, they had, like, yes. at least kissed in that scene or had something where she seemed interested in him. Like, they, yeah. they, they, pl- like, slow play that. And I understand that in, like, a movie like Sabrina, another excellent remake of a nine in a 90s film right <laughs> where you're like you're trying to build a romantic tension but like this is 24 minutes long you know in that one in that one greg kinnear's character did all the drugs oh greg kinnear's character was on all the drugs yeah yeah that, that's what the writer's room was a little bit more clean and sober no I, I i get what you're saying yes no i we i think agree um where it, it feels bad like like it seems a, like to have gone is, is, out is, is, of its way to make it more rapey right than it yeah even make it more horrible be. yes yeah right and again like i don't know like is this how does this work is this like mind control is this like the secret yeah you know but but it it feels terrible because the phone call that she has with him also feels weird and robotic like he's Svengali or something mm-hmm. like it doesn't you know what i mean it doesn't have to like if the if the if the takeaway is supposed to be something goofy and stupid like uh you know write your own happy ending and 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 what we see at the very end is that he drew himself being happy and fulfilled with officer phelps maybe that wouldn't feel as bad but it i i just like this, it kind of seems like he basically is like, got to kill the wife, going to get with the lady cop, <laughs> going to use my magic only for things that help me out. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it feels weird. It feels it feels terrible. Which, again, you're like, yeah, so this is all unearned. So, like, something terrible should happen to him in those final things. Not anymore. And then uh, th- th- then Mildred, who has somehow mutated into all of half of all of the drawings he's done, is like, oh, not yet, Buster Brown. You belong to me. And, like, hauls him off. No! Or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could have had, like, in the first shot, him, like, drawing some sort of monstrous shark that now, like, dives up from the water and grabs him. Right, 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 right. Or Officer Phelps was a was a terrible monster all along. Where yeah. it pans back, and then it's it's uh, Bugs Bunny who's been drawing here, and he's like, "Ain't I a stinker?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. So. So right, this is like a meta tale mm-hmm. about creators of comic books, and I think it's I think that what we've been saying is it's fair to say that there's a fair amount of wish fulfillment here, right? Like <laughs> all of your morals seem to be, um seem to be wish fulfillment on the part of writers of horror comics mm-hmm. or magazines as the case may be. Sure. So is it a little weird to see something that is about the craft, like the craft, what you're doing, um, having actual negative impact and like on the real world? Like, is this something about how, um, violent media and horror media impacts the people who consume it. I I think, I think we're giving it too much credit. It feels weird because this would be a, I mean, both like right. Horror comics were largely forced out by the idea of the comics code and everything. Um, and we're sort of done away with because, you know, in the, in the past people were worried that little Johnny would read about ax murderers and then become one. Um, and then also we're in the, we're in the early nineties. Isn't this the beginning or we're kind of tailing off from satanic panic and about to be all mad about, you know, hip hop style thugs and their music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, I would think that this is very much in the thing where people uh, liked to pretend that the media you consumed was going to like pollute and destroy your mind. Uh, 
So, yeah, it feels weird to sort of even raise the concept that what they're doing could be harmful, but then also to like totally not engage with this in any way or, you know, the, the monsters that he's releasing into the world presumably are doing bad things and presumably don't just like disappear. So, so what's the deal with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Too. I mean, like, what's weird is, <clears throat> what's weird is, I don't disagree. Like, I think Tales from the Crypt is good, pulpy fun. And I don't think yeah. that if you watch it, you're an immoral person. Otherwise, I would be like corrupting myself doing this podcast, right? Uh, so I don't maybe, believe. Maybe, maybe, though, maybe you do think that and you're super into it. Oh, <laughs> uh, maybe I just have like a death drive. Yeah, no, time like to, a time depravity to shoehorn, drive. Try to shoehorn some Freud in here. You're like the Marquis de Sade. <laughs> yeah. Um, but What's like, the worst thing I can do? Let's watch a 90s horror anthology. <laughs> but it's just really weird to <laughs> see this, this story put this out here and then not really like seem to have commentary about it. Like yeah. I kind of almost expected that to be. Yes. The, the final thing, like with this like monster advancing on Mildred and he's like, wait a minute. Comics don't hurt people, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. Like, there could Comics have... can only hurt people who are evil. They can only save people who are about to be raped. Yeah. Well, they kind of do have that. Like, the monsters really only kill bullies. Are we to believe that that mummy kills that little bully boy? I I don't know. I, I think the kids get away. Kids always get away in these sorts of movies. Yeah, but they don't make it, like, fully clear, do they? Yeah, no, 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 not at all. Not which which is kind of bad, but I think that we're well, again, supposed this, to... this, this, this episode is so flawed, is flawed in that it doesn't want to engage with the actual horror thing. And it's just like, no, but the cartoonist, though, does he get laid or not? <laughs> the most important thing is that the cartoonist gets rid of his wife and upgrades to a very beautiful lady. Could he divorce his wife? Could he like go about this in, in, in a normal adult way that is totally fine? Nah, no, he no, has to no. use he has to use mind boner pills and magic and mind control to make it happen. Absolutely, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I, it's just it's just very weird. I even I don't know. I, I wish I wish it were better than this. I wish that there was some commentary. At least then I could make sense of why it exists beyond just like kind of um, yeah. juvenile wish fulfillment on the part of the creators do you ever think so i was thinking about this uh i was reading my contract in the toilet no i was i was thinking about this so the writers really want us to like corman i think or like he's he is we're supposed to like identify with him and sympathize with him what he wants this kind of reminds me of some of and i think this era might be kind of wrapping up finally but the difficult man prestige tv era where like (laughs) Where, like, sometimes, um, and, you know, I, I enjoyed Mad Men and watched all the way through and everything. But, like, some some of the episodes you're like, yeah, but, like, Don is a bad guy. But but the writer is like, no, he's great. Check this out. <laughs> no, look at this other thing that, you know. And, and I, I think that this, that this is, like, a very small version of that. Where you can tell that the, you know, they're, they're like, super enamored with this character. And you're like, yeah, but he's he's not he's not a good guy. We're not supposed to, you're not supposed to like Walter White. Yeah, he's not even enjoyable really to watch. Also, right. not very not as many people have gotten the memo of you're not supposed to like Walter White as we would hope. 
Well, but, but but do you know do you know what I'm saying though? That like I, I think that if you can some in some of these shows, I think Mad Men most specific most definitely, you can see where like the showrunner, it's like Pygmalion, the showrunner kind of becomes seduced by the character he's created. I think uh, Don is written a little bit more ambiguously in the first couple seasons, and then by the end of it, it's just kind of like, well, yeah, he's got like a double wife and he cheated on his wife and everything. But look, he's 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 a He's a millionaire and he's just sad, okay? He's just sad. If he didn't have to be so sad, everything would be fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where like it's kind of like I think you I think you just drank your own Kool-Aid there, buddy. Yeah. Do you think this is my ambush by the way? Do yeah. you think that there is a shred of irony in any of this? <sighs> you you want to give him the benefit of the doubt or something and maybe Maybe it's supposed to be ironic, but I, I I would feel more convinced of that if if there was some comeuppance in the end. I mean, unless unless is this going like so meta where it's like the horrific thing is that is that Corman is a terrible person and he gets away with it. Yeah, I I don't think that there's a shred of irony. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think that there is a bouncy light tone applied mm-hmm. to the top of it so that you're not supposed to take it too seriously. Sure. Um, but I don't think that that is supposed to make you question or um, or see or see satire in any of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I think that it's I think it's just simply supposed to be, well, this is a bit of a wheeze. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely. And I, I liked the see there's so much here that I wanted to like. Like I like the bouncy tone, I like the meta commentary, I like the music, the episode looks pretty good. Um I like I mean I even sort of like the the like the raw material of the performances, like Corman is yeah, kind no, of no, I think Weasley and everybody I think does the, like an okay job and the actors do a good job. Mostly the women. Yeah. Well they get to do the most acting. Yeah, but like the the Mildred performance, as wild as it is, is like very fun to watch. Yeah, it, it would be it would be a little bit better if, if Phelps got to be a little bit more, um, uh, a little bit more um, like uh, pick flick or something. I mean, you know, she got to be a little bit more um, hyper competent because that was fun. Oh, I like it when she's talking to Corwin and she says something like, um, uh, "Lots of monster sightings." Um, or no, here I'll find it. She says, "There's been a rash of monster sightings, all different." all horrible <laughs> yeah, yeah like yeah. as if like monster sightings are not un- super unusual in this like <laughs> yeah or like the all horrible um qualifier needs to be added to the end. right right all different some of them are not very scary <laughs> yeah all different but you know some of them are okay yeah um yeah i do want to want to know what happens well the so what happens to the to the washing machine monster do we ever find out no of course not just I mean, Corman, Cor- and Corman, like, totally is willing to cover it up, too. He's like, nah, nah, kids. Yeah, I mean. He he even is, I mean, that's that's dark, too, isn't it, I guess? I mean, we kind of tread on this before, but, like, he's willing to kind of, like, lie to and gaslight his now romantic partner-to-be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess he does, I, I, I the, he does throw away the pills, so I guess he's not going to make any more monsters. <laughs> Or do more evil mind control, though you know will he will he dig through that waste basket later? I don't know who knows. Gets gets a little bit insecure and realizes he has to keep a stash on hand in case uh, 
Officer Phelps decides to poke around too much or doesn't 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 want him anymore. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like, like if his marriage hits a bad patch, will he pull out those boner pills again? Who knows? Um, I did like uh, so at the beginning, um, the opening shot where we're seeing all the funny kind of horror stuff in the office on the desk. And there's like a beautiful box set of Haunt of Fear and stuff like that. Um, I think that the painting, the panoramic view we get of New York City is a matte painting, which is fun in an episode about cartoonists. And then I don't know the name of the song. I should have done better research, but it's definitely kind of a Motown sounding kind of song about oh, like yeah, being about great and being in love and a good woman and stuff like that. And so that seems more thematic and it, it and you and it's, it's well placed because you remember that when his wife comes in and you're like, oh, this guy is supposed to have a terrible wife or like a mean wife or whatever. Um, the other things I noticed, um, Jim seems to be the only artist who works there. I think it's really goofy when he's um, when he can't come up with the what are they called? Uh, the monster that he draws is supposed to be. Isn't it like the corpse eaters from Pluto? And so there's there's a drawing and there's just like an empty space where he hasn't drawn the monster yet, which seems to show that they don't really understand how how drafting and drawing work. <laughs> he says that the pills make his imagination fertile as if that's a bad thing. Like <laughs> I need to only have hack ideas wife. Yeah, no, he, he does seem to be like upset with the fact that the pills help him help him draw, which yeah. didn't totally make sense to me. Right. And then, um, people love the sexy laundromat thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> which they, is, they, but, I like, forgot the, that like, they meet at laundromat, the laundromat. Yeah. Because, and I thought that was kind of cool because you see him, he sees the woman at the laundromat and it doesn't, he doesn't interact with her in too creepy of a way. He's just kind of like, hi. And then he's like folding his tidy whities and he's like, whoa, whoa, and like retreats, you know, but like, that seemed like kind of a neat way to pass the torch. I was kind of like, oh, so this story is going to kind of go in a different direction. You know, maybe, you know, maybe we'll come back to Corman later, but obviously we're sort of changing gears here. Um, but people, people love the, like the sexually charged atmosphere of the laundromat. <laughs> It's because everybody's holding clothes. Everybody's holding clothes, and maybe you'll get to see a pair of women's underpants. Why does he? Uh, why is he doing his own laundry at a laundromat, and presumably only his laundry? Because I you the know his terrible, be... his terrible emasculating wife makes him do his own laundry, and is just a useless drag. <laughs> oh, just God. eats bonbons all day. Um. But, like, people love the sexy laundromats. Um, and uh, also, did you think it was kind of weird? This must have been a different era where off-duty cops don't all have just guns on them all the time. She realizes that she's a police officer, but then has to use, like, jujitsu to, uh, to, and then, you know, monster ex machina to uh, take care of rapist Toby. You know, you're just waiting for her to, like, pull out, pull out the little piece in her ankle holster. Yeah, doesn't, uh, yeah, isn't Officer Phelps packing heat? Come on. Yeah, probably not. Maybe not. That was another thing I noticed. I, I thought it was interesting that Phelps does not have a gun on the laundromat and instead use, uses the acceptable fem, like femme version of uh, defense, which is Kung Fu, as yeah, if yeah. to suggest that even a woman with a <laughs> gun can't overpower a man. Well, I don't know if that's the case. It definitely, though, does. I, I, I get what you're saying. I don't know if it's saying the gun, but that like she does a not woman pull has, out a, She has to have special, special mystic foreign training to be able to overpower a regular man with a little pocket knife. Right. Also, all yeah, exactly. Also, uh, Mildred has a gun. R- Mildred has the emasculating item. Yeah, because yeah, she's awesome. F- yeah, exactly. 
Phelps does not. Phelps just uses a spot of kung fu, like uh, which you know. Emma Peel, yeah. Emma Peel, Emma Peel approved. Mm-hmm. I mean, but I, but I, I, but you know, at the same time, though, maybe we should give this credit that it, that is a cool thing about her. And if she's a hyper competent female police officer, of course, of course, she knows martial arts. Like that seems that that I didn't feel like that when you're in the moment, that doesn't feel bad. No, 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 it doesn't. I'm just pointing out that as like the story goes through, even those little moments of empowerment have uh, seem seem tinged. Well, and God, with, that stuff uh, that that stuff never goes away. Like, have you have you had the misfortune to run across any of the like? critique of the new bad star wars movies <laughs> i was like hey look everybody on the internet agrees with me these are bad and then i'm like five minutes into the video and they're like so, something like you know and a woman only has 40 percent of the upper body strength of a man which means that ray is a complete mary sue and i'm like uh-oh did i did i accidentally become a nazi does this not liking star wars mean i'm a nazi <laughs> you cannot like star wars and not but be but you know right but isn't, isn't that exactly the same thing where like emma peel has to know kung fu otherwise you know she'd just get how would she ever beat up a man right yeah, yeah. how could she ever take down a man yeah all of her specialized training in the world yeah wouldn't matter mm-hmm. yep uh. Ugh. all right let's Gross. rate this sucker okay what do you got? I'm, I, I'm torn between being like, I'll go first because I'm in the man. <laughs> being like, Mary, would you like to go first? I can go first. <laughs> I did not like this episode. Really? That's so so surprising. <laughs> I, I didn't give it this zero. Isn't, this isn't a, five, a fiver? No, I didn't give it zero because I do think that the, that the idea has merit and I liked Mildred a lot. And mm-hmm. I liked at least part of what I saw of Officer Phelps. So mm-hmm. I gave it a very generous, I feel, one out of five uh, rad Mildred polka dot dresses. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, that's that. I say nice because, you know, great minds think alike. So I I have all the same beefs that you do. Um, and I like only all the same stuff that you do, I think, too. Um, so I gave mine one out of five uh, tabs of cartoonist mind Viagra. Nice. Nice. Yep. All right. So moving on to happier topics. What are we doing next time? (laughs) Next week, we'll be uh, revisiting a horror staple from my childhood and possibly your childhood. We'll we'll, we'll get into it. We're going to watch the animated classic film, Brave Little Toaster. That's right, folks. The scariest movie I watched when I was a kid. Hopefully it's hauled up to adult viewing better than um, the animated Tales from the Crypt, which I will Tales from the Crypt Keeper, which I will not be watching ever again. <laughs> Mary, you, you make these you make this big talk and wild promises. Animated horror comes for us all. Yeah, well. Well, thank you for coming to us for non-animated horror uh, creepies. Um, we hope that you already have checked us out on Apple Podcast Stitcher or any other platform of your choice. And that's how you're listening to us right now. You can, of course, always find our Amazon affiliate link if you want to watch along with the Tales from the Crypt series. Uh, you can click on that little link, buy it from Amazon. We get some of them. Dosh. Uh, John Kassir obviously gets some of it as well. It's all wouldn't it all works it, would, out. Wouldn't it be crazy if he didn't like we keep we keep joking around about this and eventually he finds out and is like, no, actually, they screwed me out of all my royalties. He's like, he's like, uh, I, uh, who, are these, I, who are these a-holes with their loose talk about my boats? 
I've settled. I settled for flat rate. I'm yeah. still working hard. Yeah. Um, I mean, hmm? yeah. No, it's, so we're, we're, just, we're just trying to justify why propping up an evil company like Amazon would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> the really moral way to do this is if John Kassir was like selling at, selling DVD sets out of the trunk of his car, like at a horror kind of like Fangoria convention or something. <laughs> that would be the best. And you know that all the money goes to him. John Kassir has cardboard boxes full of Tales from the Crypt DVDs, which he will mail to you in recyclable packaging. <laughs> this, beca- this becomes like the things we have to be like, allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> allegedly. Maybe. No, 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 no. Absolutely made up. Um, <laughs> Completely but, fake. But please uh, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review for this podcast if you're enjoying what you're listening to. And if you're not, um, just hang tight and we'll be on social media soon and you can just slide into our DMs about it. Um... I, for one, am excited and terrified about that. Wee! Would you like to end us on with a pun, Thomas? Yeah, of course. No, not this time. No, next time. Till next time, kitties. Jim did seem like he's a little bit sketchy. Too bad Lorelai got drawn in. Maybe it was those incredible shirts. Ah! Outrageous.